Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Well, good morning, everyone. For you guys who don't know me, my name is Sean, and I'm the lead pastor here at Northeast Community Church. It is my privilege that we have guests in our midst today, and if you're a first-time visitor, let me... uh, Welcome you here. We don't make you stand up and say your name or any of that stuff here, but I see you. I know the people who are here. I see you, and I'm grateful that you're here this morning, that you decide to come and worship with us. You could have decided to worship anywhere else or even stay in bed this morning, but you decided to be here, and so we don't take that lightly. Um, If you need a Bible, please raise your hand, and we will have someone bring you out a copy of Scripture. That is yours to keep if you would like it. We love giving away Bibles, and for the rest of you, just dial it up on your smartphone, your smart device whether Android or iPhone, just don't be playing Angry Bears, okay? Amen. We have a hand right here, the Bible down front. And so today we are excited. We are so excited. We're launching into a new series, and alongside the new series, we are also launching, we're doing a kickoff of our life groups. I've been saying small groups. I'm intentionally, if, if, if I say small group, somebody throw something at me, okay? Uh, Live groups, we've rebranded them. We came from a church that had small groups, and some of you have been encountering small groups in your life, but we changed the name because we believe that's power in our words. And life groups uh, infer that we do life together, that we do life together. I posted last night on social media, if you follow me, a, a brief video. Listen, the most impactful decision that I've ever made in my Christian walk was when I decided to become a part of a life group. And I decided to become a part of a life group, uh, because God had gifted me in certain areas that weren't in operation in the Sunday service. But then when I began to uh, uh, host a life group in our home, like God began to quicken my soul and he began to show me certain things about me that ended up like that life group. We became the best of friends. And this church is actually actually birthed out of that life group. This church is actually birthed out of that life group. Now, I'm not saying that God is going to get you to plan a church because you start a life group, but I'm saying he will activate your gifts when you are in the context of Christian community. And so based upon uh, our, our mission, vision, and values of the church, we're going to be doing these life groups, and they're going to be corresponding with Sunday messages. Each week, the life group will correspond with Sunday messages. So I'm just going to give you an appetizer here. And then when you get in the life group, you can get dig dig deeper and you can learn more about that. And so today, immediately following service, we're going to have a fellowship. Listen to me. Everybody's welcome. Even if you don't want to be a part of a life group, you just want to come and use us for our food. Hey, that's fine with us. We are catering. uh, What what, what is it again? Olive Garden. Olive Garden. And I know some of y'all, you got to go eat. So you might as well eat with us, right? And some of y'all go to Olive Garden anyway because y'all got that endless salad. Y'all go and y'all eat, get fill up on salad and breadsticks and have a, and so come get some of that salad here and enjoy life with us. Amen. And so we're basing, this series is called No Love Serve. It's called No Love Serve. And our mission as a church is to make disciples who know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. And a real quick synopsis of who we are as a church and how we believe as a church. We believe that we move in three concentric circles as human beings uh, or not as human beings, as believers. We believe that God has called us to live uh, a life that 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 perfectly keeps in balance these three things. And we believe that if you keep these three things in balance, you will have a fruitful Christian life. 
And so no, we, we define no as learning to trust God. Every relationship is based on trust. And we say to know God is to learn to trust him. To know God is to learn to trust him. And that's through communion with Christ. Our second circle is love. We say that love is learning to follow him with others. And that is Christian community. That's what these life groups will, will, will be a part of. Listen, I call it the play fair clause. Because God has asked us. He said, how can you say you love me who you can't see, but you can't love your brother who's right there in front of you? And small groups give us the opportunity to get on one another's nerves. Yes, ma'am. Amen. But I call it our play fair clause. A lot of us would love to just be Christians all by ourselves. I can just love on Jesus. I can do my little devotional in the morning. I can pray. I can get on about my way. That way, because I'm not in the community, when I cuss somebody out on I-35, I ain't got nobody to tell me I will even cuss nobody out. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not that y'all would cuss nobody out on 35. I'm just saying. And finally, we say serve is the mission of the church, learning to live beyond ourselves because we can very quickly believe that we are the center of the universe and everything revolves around us. And so as we serve, we learn to live outside of ourselves. And that's the mission of the church. And if you can see right there in the middle where all of those circles uh, uh, connect, I call that our sweet spot. When we're keeping in perfect balance our ability to love uh, our, our brother and sister in Christ, our ability to live selflessly and, and, and to give with the, with, with, with the purpose of the gospel in mind and to commune with Christ. When we get those three things in, in, in perfect harmony, I believe that's the sweet spot of the Christian life. You are now living the life that God has called you to live. And if any of those get out of balance, then our lives are out of balance. And I believe a lot of us in the church, we do so much time. We spend so much time trying to learn to trust God that we leave the others out. And there are some churches or some people, they spend so much time serving that they don't want to spend time with God or others. And there are some people, they spend so much time fellowshipping that. And so if you get any of these out of balance, your life is out of balance. And so that is the springboard of what we'll be talking about. And so we're going to start with the segment of no, learning to trust God. How do I learn to trust God? How do I do these things? First off, you come this afternoon and you find out about a small group, but that's a shameless plug. But secondarily, how do I learn to trust God? Well, we live in a big, scary and confusing world. It's full of mystery and intrigue. And a lot of people will say it's probably arrogant that we will believe that we can know God. Anybody know somebody like that? Say, you know what? You Christians, that is so arrogant to believe that you know the way. It is so arrogant. If God is who you say he is, that you can know him, that your little finite Christian mind wrap itself around the existence of this big, holy God. And unfortunately, as believers, we've allowed culture to impact the way that we believe about God and the way that we believe about ourselves. And God is teaching us and God is showing us not only can he be known, his will for our lives can be known. And it's not arrogant to say, I know God's plan for my life. It's not arrogant to say that I know the creator of the universe. It's not arrogant to say that, that, that as I align myself with his will, that he will look after me and he will do in me and for me the things that are best for me. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not getting into any kind of prosperity stuff that you won't get the new Cadillac. I never said that. 
I never said that you won't get sick. I never said that there won't be heartache, there won't be pain, there won't be tragedy in your life. But what I am saying is that God will walk with us alongside us in that thing if we would just submit to his will. We sit here all day long and we sing songs. I surrender. I'm not going to sing because I really can't sing, but you know what we sing. And the moment that the music stopped, the moment that the track track stopped playing, we start thinking about who we are and what we need to be doing and how our life should be aligning. And we leave God out of the equation. A lot of us use Jesus as if he is a spare tire. How many people got spare tire in your car? How many people look? Look, you look. My daughter bought a new car. And I'm just assuming that the new car got a spare tire in it. They don't put spare tires in cars no more. I got a flat. Well, let me go take a look at that. Ain't no spur. I guess they feel like they wasting rubber. And we, we do the same thing with Jesus. We don't think about Jesus until hard times come. Then we say, God, I need peace. God, I need peace. And then you go and look for Jesus and he's nowhere to be found because you don't know how to look for him. You don't know where to find him. I know your mama told you back in Sunday school, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. But we do not get to determine the, 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 the parameters of the relationship. Jesus teaches us specifically how we can know him. The challenge is we don't want to know him. We don't want to know him. And so in humility, I'm going to say this for some other thinkers in the room. In humility, we can know Jesus. We can know God. We can know the creator of the universe. Some of us, we get arrogant when we know Jesus. I know Jesus and you don't. Like somehow you created the formula to getting to know Jesus and you need a a medal for what God is doing in your life. And we don't understand that we are just beggars asking other beggars where to go find bread. That there's nothing in our heart and in our lives that we've done to ever deserve to know him. But out of his grace, out of his goodness, out of his mercy, he has decided to declare himself to us so much so that he wrapped himself in flesh this is a theological term it's called the incarnate of christ he had he became flesh so that he can not only identify with us but we can identify with him and so it's true arrogant as it may sound it's true god can be known god can be known And so here are our challenges today. Here are our challenges today. We feel like if we know about God, it's knowing God. Instead of having an intimate relationship and an intimate knowledge of who he is. We're challenged in that. Knowing about God is not knowing God. Some of us, we like sports. Even later this afternoon, some of you are tempted to come to the afternoon event. Some of you want to go home and watch your favorite team. And you know the people on your favorite team. You don't know them, but you know them. You follow them on Instagram. You can look at ESPN and you know their stats. You know how many touchdown passes they did last week. You know their mama maiden name. You know what high school they went to. But if you ran up on them at the grocery store, they will look at you like, And maybe they'll let you take a selfie with them. And then you'll go on your social media account 
And let everybody know you took a selfie with whoever your favorite football player, basketball player, movie star is. But does that mean you know them? You might think you know them. People would think you're a stalker. Your friends would tell you to sit down somewhere if you say you knew them based on you taking a picture with them. And that's how we treat God. We might even know our favorite people's stance on things. We know what they feel about things because we read articles about them and all these things. And we know about them and we don't want to know about them. We know how they think, but that doesn't mean that we know them. I can tell you right now about what some of my movie stars think about politics. What they think about the state of the world. Because technology has given us the opportunity to, and not only that, it's created these idols inside of us where we have these shrines built to ourselves called our social media. Where we take a bunch of pictures and then we filter out the best one and then we, we got to put the right filter and we got to hit it at the right angle. And girls, you got to stand just the right way. And dudes, don't front. You stand the same. You, you, you do like that to make the muscles know you ain't been working out. No, you ain't been working out. But you're trying to get somebody in your DMs. Stand like that. First date, they go, who are you? That's not the person I saw. I've been catfished. And so we live in a culture, we live in a society where knowing about is enough. Knowing about is enough. Knowing about. And I believe that we've known about God. But do we really know him? Do we really know him? And so I got three categories of people we're going to talk about today, and then we're going to eat, I promise. We got a category of people, the first category of people, they ignore God altogether. They ignore God altogether. It's not that there's not evidence for God, but they ignore him altogether. Together. The second category of people, people who are content with knowing about him, but not knowing him. And then the third category of people, and those are the category of people that I would like for us to be, is the category of people who want to know God relationally. Who want to be in a relationship with God. Okay, so the first group. They don't know God because they choose not to know God. They don't know God because they choose not to know God. And it's not missed upon me that there may even be people in this room right now. You don't know God and you think in your mind it's, 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 it's tacky of a God to cause me or make me want to know him. And, 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 and if he is really real, then he needs to just show himself to me. If he's really real, let him show himself to me. Turn to your Bibles to Romans 1, 18 to 32. Some of you visitors are saying, when is this man going to get in the text? I get there. Just takes me a while. I want to provide as much context as possible. Because sometimes we read the scripture and we read them in these short little segments and we build our entire theology based upon these, this little passage of scripture. So we're going to be uh, tackling quite a bit of scripture this morning. Quite a bit of scripture this morning. And it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their, excuse me, unrighteousness suppress the truth. And right off the bat, we see that God has revealed himself from heaven to everyone. 
But because of ungodliness, it's been suppressed. Because I want to do what I want to do and I don't want to align myself with God, I suppress truth. The Bible teaches us that our carnal mindset is at enmity with God. That word at enmity means that it is extremely hostile towards God. We have this hostile nature on the inside of us that doesn't like God. Some of you are like, I don't comprehend. You know that person that gets on your nerves? And they can come up to you and they can say stuff to you and no matter what they say, you're not trying to hear it. Because you're extremely hostile towards that person. They come up to you and try to tell you that your car being told, I don't want to hear it right now. <laughs> Last time you said something, and you just getting all cranky like, all right, cool. And then you go outside and figure out your tar- car being told, why nobody told me nothing? Because your hostility prohibited you from hearing truth. That's just like our Christian walk. Our hostilities towards God prohibit us from hearing truth. And so you may, might be saying, I'm not hostile towards God. Yeah, we're not hostile toward God as long as God is saying the stuff that we want to hear. As soon as God say the hard stuff. Hey, you know that person you don't like? They try to get your car from being told. I want you to buy them a present. Oh, Lord, no, 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 no. That is the devil. God would never say anything like that to me. God would not present that kind of kind of test in my way. Let's keep reading. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. God is saying, listen, you can know me. I've shown you. I've shown you. But you suppress truth because you hate what you want to hear. You hate what I'm trying to tell you and you don't want to hear it. Listen, the very fact, and listen, listen, for you guys who don't know me, I'm, a, I'm like, 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 I'm a very, just, just my thought, my thought process is very systematic. I was an engineer before I was a pastor, software engineer before I was a pastor. And people are like, you were an engineer, software engineer. And so I, I see systems, I see processes, I see stuff. And the very fact that I can wake up this morning and the sun came out just like it did yesterday teaches me that there is not chaos in the universe. The very fact that I can go to the doctor and the doctor, based upon science and knowing things, can tell me the possibilities of what's going on in my body based upon the things that they see, tells me that there's a systematic order to the universe. And so God is saying, I've revealed to you that I exist. The very fact that your full self don't float away because of gravity means I, I put this stuff together. He says, I revealed it to you. It says, for the invisible attributes, I'd be getting ahead of myself, sorry. Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. God is saying, listen, here's this thing. It's called general revelation. Like you can just look at the world and see that there is a God. Unless you've suppressed that truth. Unless you in your fool heart have tried to say, you know what? I know better than God. And if God was God, then he, well, what about this? And then explain this. And if God is God, who created God? That's what God is. The existence of God means that he's God, that he is not created. There are only two categories. There is creator and everything else. 
God did not have to be created. Well, what was before God? Nothing. He's the eternal self-existent one. He's always been and he will always be. That's God. And we try and we try. And so God uses this thing called, again, these words that I mess up all the time. It's anthropomorphic where God uses these ideas that are human in our understanding and our intellect so that we can grasp them. But God is so much bigger than what we can think or grasp. He's so much bigger than what we can think or grasp. So when the Bible says that God sees, it's not like he sees with our eyes and we think about seeing with our eyes. God sees because God is. When we think about power, we think about the biggest, most powerful thing that we can think of. And that, 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 that that's tiny into uh, the existence of God. Like it, it's so minuscule next to God's power. And so we don't know God because we haven't yet understood the vastness of God. And God has made himself known to us. That was general revelation. God has given us special revelation. Where he wrapped himself in flesh and he became a man and he walked amongst us. And based upon this narrative, based upon this story, God has given us his word. And his word is clear and his word details and chronicles himself to us. And tells us all about who he is. But we neglect to get in the word to find out who God is. I hear this illustration. I use this illustration, but it fails in comparison. It says the Bible is like a love letter written to us. But we dare not read it. I guarantee you, if I told everybody in this room, listen, if you read the Bible front to back, and gain all the understanding you can gain of it in the next five years. At the end of five years, I give you $10 million. Boy, y'all be some Bible scholars. <laughs> Real talk. I take myself up and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to learn some new stuff. Every waking moment, I'll be up reading that Bible thinking about that $10 million. Right? He's revealed it to us in his word. I got to move. So for all those Watch this. This is the first humans, early humanity. For all that they knew God, they did not honor him as God and give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Some of y'all were saying a while ago, you little harsh pastor for saying fools. This is what the Bible says. I think you're great people. I think you're highly intelligent. A lot of you more intelligent than me, but God called you a fool. And exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged, they exchanged. They said, you know what? Give me this truth and I'm going to give you something else. They exchanged truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who blessed who is blessed forever. Amen. So God said, you know what? You, you are the reason you don't know me. Because you saw stuff. You saw the stuff that I created and you began to worship that stuff. You begin to worship that stuff. You created an idol. And an idol is anything that we put above God. And we begin, we begin to create these idols of things. And sitting in these seats right now, I'm included sometimes. Sometimes I find myself making idols out of things. I do. 
when those things become more important than walking with God, then it's an idol. Now, some of you might be saying, well, I don't put nothing before God. Okay, okay, let's just see. You driving that brand new car. I get on cars because I know some of us would be crazy about our cars. And I'm Christian, 365. But this particular day, them kids outside playing baseball. And one of them balls go through my window. That can be fixed, mind you. Do you lose it or do you hold it together and say, it's just stuff? Do you stand out of the driveway and shake your fist at them cheering? (laughs) Or do you say, it's just stuff? Young folk in the room, your sibling, go in your closet and get your shirt. You ain't even wore it yet. And you catch them out there in your stuff. Do you make a scene? No, bro, you need to take my stuff off. It's mine. Do you come to blows over stuff? Oh, well. We do it. We make stuff idols. The stuff that God has, has created to bless us and, and, and that we can be blessed by, we make idols out of them. Because there's, there's value in those things. Relationships. Some of us, we make idols out of relationships. Some of y'all saying, no, nobody make no idol out of no relationship. Let somebody mess with your children. Especially mama bears. You lose all your religion over them cheering. I hope I'm helping somebody today. And so we make idols out of stuff. We exchange truth for a lie. For this reason, God gave them up to their dishonorable passions for their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. We won't even touch that today, but we'll touch it sooner or later. And the men likewise gave up unnatural or natural relations with women. And we're consumed with the passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. I'm going to say this, though. Listen, this does not mean that we hate people who have same sex attractions. That, you know, y'all know my stance. It's just for the visitors. We don't have we don't hate them. We don't dislike them. But we don't like what that. We, hey, listen. God has said some things about this. And that means that we don't conform to what the world says about it based upon what, 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 what the world is saying. We're like, no, no, no. Okay, you can do you, but understand this. And here's my stance on it. Understand this. That is prohibiting you from knowing God the way that God wants you to know him. I'm going to leave that alone, but listen, that's y'all. I'm going to stand on the side of what the Bible says. And since they did not fit to uh, acknowledge God, they said they did not see fit to acknowledge God. God gave them up to their debased mind to do what they are to do not to not do. I can't even say it. I'm all flustered now. The base mind to do what they ought not what ought not be done. Basically, it's saying, listen, you had opportunity to see God. You had ample opportunity, but you chose to do. You chose yourself over God. You're selfish. They were filled with the manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. 
They are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Ooh, and every parent in the room, look at their kids when you say that. Now, you know you do. You were like, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they do not only do them, but they... Uh, but they give approval to those who practice them. As it is said today, if you hear, oh no, that, 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 no, no, don't do that. That's my next verse. I was like, I jumped into Hebrews. What's going on? And so we've historically rejected God. Can we just put that on the table today? We've historically rejected God. Most of us have historically rejected God. And so what do we do to get ourselves back on track? Well, first, we need to shun all of those things that we just read about and say, you know what? I'm going to turn around. I'm going to repent. I'm going to do a 180. I'm going to turn back towards God. God, whatever those areas in my life that I am walking in blindness, I'm walking in deception. Lord, please bring them to light. And guess what happens? It doesn't happen in the context of your bedroom because we can't see ourselves. One thing I used to hate, anybody work in a corporation where you have 360 peer reviews? Anybody have those? Dean? Sue? Yeah, I hate those things. You know why? Because if you don't know what a 360 peer review is, well, there's a 360 review. You, 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 not only do your supervisor review you, but they pick random peers to review you too. And if you have anybody that reports to you, the people that report to you review you. And I can just know, I, I just love when the emails come out. We're going to be doing our peer reviews in November of this year, you see people just start acting right. <laughs> hey, Todd, you want me to bring you some coffee? Nah, nah. Because you know you cussed Todd out last week. And you're not going to get your raise based upon these people. And I, I, I just hated them. Because folk didn't like me sometimes at my job. Because maybe one day I showed up to work and I wasn't having the best of days. And I let... Something slipped out that shouldn't have slipped out about you. The whole office know it. You just didn't know it. And so in the context of community, in the context of being amongst peers, in the context of making yourself vulnerable to other people, listen, 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 you grow. And you grow in, and God is wired it this way. The Bible says that God has created us as a body, and we, we need one another. And there are people in this body who have giftings that you don't have that can speak into your life, and it's a reciprocating thing. You can likewise speak into their life. Y'all know it. Y'all know the dude that is at the job, and ain't nobody telling him his breath stank. Y'all so saved up in here. Everybody got good breath. No, you know that dude, you be like, man, somebody need to tell him, bro. You tell him. I ain't going to tell him. This man got halitosis. Y'all need to let him know so he can go to the dentist and get that fixed. Mind my business, he going to mind his. And you know why we don't do that? Guess why? Because we know if we tell somebody else their breath stink, they, get, they give them permission to tell the stuff about us. Bro, bro you need to get two sticks of deodorant because you be mercy. I mean, like, you know, like I say, we do that. But we got to do it to help one another out. Listen, help me. And my breath stank, let me know. Bro, you were praying for me the other day? They got Altoids in the back of the room. Do that. 
do that. Because I don't want to offend nobody. I'm trying to pray, pray, pray down the Holy Spirit. Lord, bless them. And they go out. What happened? Your breath. <laughs> you killed them. Who eats nachos for breakfast? Don't do that. <laughs> Trey raised his hand, me. Let me get you some Altoids. So, if you are a believer, if you, if you take notes, here's the thing. If you're a believer, get somebody else in your life that you can be accountable to. And let them, allow, and allow them to speak into your life. And allow them to speak into your life. We be trying to do it all by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. And it's in here. Listen, listen. It's hindering our ability to know God more fully. And you just trying to do it all by yourself. And God says, listen, I've given you a formula. Let somebody else pour into your life. Second challenge. Those people that we just read about. They were lazy and passive in their seeking of God. They were lazy and passive in their seeking of God. Listen, the church has allowed the world to determine what we believe about God. We get so much about what we believe about God from pop culture. Now, listen, I listen, listen, I try to stay hip. Um, but I've been watching lately. I've been watching some superstars and stuff. They coming around and they coming around to, you know, talking about Jesus and stuff like that. And I'm looking at it, and I'm going, some of these, some of these like people who just came into the church, they know more about Jesus than people who've been in church all this time. The challenge is they're actively seeking right now. Think about this for a second. Don't raise your hand. If you raise your hand, you can raise your hand if you want to. You're telling yourself. Though don't raise your hand. How many of you are actively, wholeheartedly seeking God with all you got right now? How many of you know people who are actively seeking God with your whole, with their whole heart right now? And all the people I know, I can tell you, I know one person who is really actively seeking God with all that they have, and it's evident. Now I'm not saying that you know if you're doing it in your private time, that's one thing. I don't know about that, but I know one person who is like all the time, like man, well, man, man, I'm, I, I was reading this book and I was doing this, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure this out. Listen, our circles of influence should be should be full of people actively seeking God based upon the way that we seek God. You ain't gotta say amen. You can say ouch. We've allowed culture to dictate who God is to us. And it's time out for believers to be passive, not having conversations about God. Think about it. When's the last time you had a God-like conversation? Nah, but man, you know, we talk about the game. Man, man, did you see that fight? UFC. Right? Did you see that movie? Movie's so dope, man. You got to go check it out. Man, they got a sale over there. Man, have you had the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich? I'm serious. We're going crazy over chicken sandwich. going to give us high cholesterol. We talking about, man, you missed the bun, man. It's the bun. We got the bread of life. And we going crazy over sandwich. I ain't going to lie. I went through the line twice. They didn't have no sandwiches. I gave up. Chicken strips be dusty anyway. I'm going back to Chick-fil-A. That's the Lord's chicken. <laughs> Amen. I said it. I said it. I said it. And they do it with a smile. They make me want to go back through the line. 
talk to me like that. Christians don't even talk to me like that. I get this at Chick-fil-A <laughs> drive-thru. We be fellowshipping. They is nice, ain't they? Mm-hmm. Some of y'all went over there to get a job. Couldn't get a job because you weren't nice enough. <laughs> Thirdly, they exchange truthful lies. Listen, listen, listen. How many of us read the Bible like this? Oh, man. That's tough. Well, you know, uh, I think the reason that he said this, because you look at the context. You look at the time that it was written in, and, and, and this is probably what you, listen, if the Bible is silent about it, you stop adding stuff to it. We want to be theologians. You know the actual Greek. You got a concordance and a third grade education. And you're trying to explain away God. I'm sorry. My wife always tell me stop. I be offending people. I'm sorry. I don't mean nothing by it. But stop exchanging the truth of God for lies. And we lie based upon those things that are in our heart that we want to do. And we explain away God because we want it. And we just like, God, just, 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 just you and a little bit of this. And God's like, no, get rid of it. No, 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 no. You know, God, like, you know, like you negotiating with God. Stop exchanging the truth of God for lies. I got to move. They were self-deceived. Now we go to Hebrews 3.15. It says, As it is said today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart as in the day of the rebellion. Listen, a lot of the reasons that some of us don't hear God, and I get this, like something like hearing the voice of God is tough sometimes. Like, but it's because we're listening for something that we want. Like we we treat God like 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 one of those eight balls back in the 90s. I say this all the time. If you're having challenges hearing what God is saying for your life, go back to the last thing that he asked you to do. Did you harden your heart there? Did you give God the stiff arm? Did you give God the husband? Go back to the last thing you heard God clearly. Like, you know, sometimes, again, I'm, and we're not being spooky. Like, you know, I, I came in the bathroom and James Earl George voice fell and I fell in the shower. And, you know, I woke up three days later and I had a dream and a vision and I got this whole Bible right here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you heard this, you felt this strong impression on you and it was really strong. And you're like, man, I need to do this. And then you did it. Circle back around to that moment, around to that time. What was God speaking to you then? Because God ain't forgetful. He ain't forgot. We do that at our jobs. You supervising somebody, you ask them to clean the fries, and they don't know how to, they, they barely do it. Man, move. Somebody else do it. No, God's like, no, nah, you need to learn. Because when God asks us to do stuff, when God reveals stuff to us, it's not for God's benefit. Listen, God can make rocks cry out. God can use an ass to sit over here and say the stuff that I'm saying. That's a donkey, y'all. These kids in the front row are like, <gasps> God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. Listen, he don't need you. And that's the problem. Some of us think God needs us. We're trying to contract and renegotiate with God. We're trying to hold out. 
And God's like, okay. But it's for your benefit. And so when God speaks, God is speaking for our benefits. God is trying to grow us in the midst of some stuff. And that's why God sends us in the hard places, because he knows those hard places. Call them. When it get tight, we get right. And so some of us ain't hearing God. Some of us ain't knowing God. Some of us, I don't know the will of God for my life. Listen, I can give you the will of God for your life, that you be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. There you go. Everything else is icing on the top. <laughs> But now, you know, man, God, you know, God's going to call me to do this. And now you, listen, listen, slow down. Do the last thing he told you to do. God is Mr. Miyagiing us. Y'all remember that movie? I don't understand why I'm in here doing this. So the enemy starts swinging at you. Oh, okay, God. And we believe that we should have access to God on our terms. Second, second type of person. They're content with knowing about God. Many of us in this room right now, we're content about knowing about God. We showed up this morning so that we can get a little bit more about God, as if knowing about God appeases God. A lot of us, we can quote scripture. We have our favorite podcast that we listen on the way to school, on the way to work. We get a little nugget there. But we only know about Jesus. Matthew 7, 23 says this. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. It was never experiential. It was never relational. You just knew some stuff. You ever see some people that be faking spiritual gifts? Mm-hmm. It happened. Satan is crafty. I can look at your, listen, listen, listen. I could look in the way that you walked in. I can tell certain things about you. I can't tell you how many times, and it's not, I can't tell you how many times I've been to conferences and stuff like that, and people come up to me, you call to the nations. Well, God ain't told me that. Like, I have access to God, too. Like, like I'm, if you tell me something, it should be confirmation. It shouldn't be something coming way out of left field. I got Cadillacs still coming. I ain't seen them. I can use one right now. It's hot outside. My car don't be blowing AC right. Right? You can just you can manipulate people. The Bible talks more about false uh, teachers than it does about anything else. Because they can come and they can speak to the desires of our hearts. And they know about God. And God's going to say, I never knew you. So how? Listen, listen, this is scary stuff. How do I not be deceived? How can I know what God wants me to do? How can I know? How can I know? How can I know? Oh, I'm going to show you. The third type of person. They desire a a deeper relationship with God. Listen, how do I get a deeper relationship with God? Today, and we're almost finished. Today, we're going into, like I said, this is an appetizer. Get into small groups. Y'all going to get it. Today, we're going to talk about we can know God through his word. We can know God through his word. Listen. Everything that you need to know pertaining to life and godliness is found in here. Everything else, that's just other knowledge. God could give it to you. He ain't got to give it to you. He's more focused on you focusing on this. 66 books, choose one. The entire narrative is about God. 
from Genesis to Revelation, there's this entire story unfolding about the creation and how we fell away and then how the nations uh, over, over time had the opportunity to know God through Israel and Israel just did not do it. And then God said, you know what? He said it before he even created anything. He said, yeah, I tried to catch me theologically slipping. And so he stepped down. And he says, I'm going to become like them and I'm going to show them a way. And if they would just follow me, they would just follow me. They can attain eternal life. And so he showed us the way. Then he died a death. He died this death so that we can have the substitutionary death. We talked about it last week. So that when, he, that, when, that, that when we rise again, we will see him as he is and we can go spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. But here's the thing. Before he left, the last thing he said, I got some military people in the room. Watch this. The last thing he said was, go ye therefore and make disciples. I was, I was listening to this one military person. They said, they, they, they say that if your commanding officer tells you something until he changes what he said the last time, you do that. You do that. Let the drill sergeant tell you to run and he don't say stop. You're going to run some more. So you do the last thing that he told you to do. You don't negotiate with him. Well, you know, drill sergeant, today um, it's hot outside. He wants you to follow him and make disciples. Watch this. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. Three things from the word and then we'll go home. 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Knowing from who you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. That's the problem. We got to want to be trained in righteousness. I'll be seeing some of y'all on Instagram. Y'all be working out. Y'all be checking in at the gym. I'll be seeing you checking in at the gym. I'm like, that's, that's for y'all. I don't need none of that training. If you want to be trained in righteousness, you need to get in the book. That the man of God, and I'm going to put woman in there, the man and woman of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. You want to know what God is calling you to do? You want to know God intimately? Get in the book. It's profitable for everything you need concerning godliness to train yourself in righteousness. You just got to want to be right with God. We saw the falling away in, in, in Romans 128 was they they didn't want to be righteous. And as believers, we can't just be acting like culture. We can't just be passively following God. We can't be passively consuming culture because culture always has a narrative. It's always going to lead you away from God if you are not in there intentionally to turn the culture back to God. Listen, God put us on this earth to, 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 to cultivate the culture. It's a gardening term found in Genesis. When he told them to be fruitful and multiply, he told them to subdue the earth. That's what he's telling us. We should be impacting culture. We try to do it all on Sunday mornings at, 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 at between 10 and 1130. And God is saying, no, 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 there's business owners in this room that need to be cultivating. 
There's supervisors and managers in this room that need to be cultivating. There's students in this room that you're on your campus and you know your campus be buck wild and you're there to be cultivated. You're not there just to be who you are and you just have the Christian patch on your arm. You're there to be the embodiment of Christ in that space and to lead people out of darkness into his light. We don't know this if we don't get in the word. You can't effectively do that if you don't get in his word. And we don't just read the word just to be like, like to have information. Like I said earlier, we don't want just want information about God. We want relationship with God. And the word will cause us to enter into this relationship with God like never before. And so what do we do? And, we're, and we got these three things and we're going to go. What do we do? We read for life. You read the scripture for life, not knowledge, life. It's not about head knowledge. It's about life consuming relationship that causes you to change. So first we have to elevate the word in our hearts and our lives. I like, I, we don't do it here, but I like how some of the churches, when they say, this is my Bible, and they make this declaration about the Bible. This is the word of God. Do you understand how important and precious these words are on this page? And what God went through to get it to you? And we treat it like it's common. We treat it like it's the manual on our car. Man, where that bulb at? Man, that bulb is in here somewhere. Yeah, and that's supposed to be in the back. My Bible don't got that stuff in the back. Where it say stuff about stress in there? Say something about stress in the Bible. Say something about these kids. <laughs> it's life. Jesus said it. He said, These words I speak to you, they are spirit. Life. So we have to gain this understanding of what the word is, is life. And we need to say, you know what? How do I get life out of what I'm reading right now? Well, one thing we need to do is we need to see Jesus in every scripture. We need to be able to read the scripture and say, God, based upon what I just read, read, what does that mean for my life today? We treat our Bible study and our learning like we treat uh, uh, learning in school. You do it just for the test. Just for the test. Once that test is over, I don't need to hear that. I don't need to know that no more. You be even asking teacher, teacher, what's going to be on the test? But we need to be reading it for transformation. Secondarily, when we're neglecting the word, we're neglecting ourselves. When we're neglecting the word, we're neglecting ourselves. What does that even mean? I'm glad you asked. You don't neglect eating. From very young, I know we from very young kids, we ain't what's to eat. First thing you wake up, you're in the kitchen scratching, wondering what's to eat. You ate it all last night. Their spirit and their life. And so the word is life. Just like I have to have a healthy diet of food, I need a healthy diet of the word because the life that Christ wants to transform inside of me comes through the word. It comes through other elements. We're going to talk about them in the coming weeks. Don't, don't, don't just shell yourself short there. But the word is the primary mechanism for God to speak. 
going to all these podcasts and 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 and, and, and even conferences sometimes, even coming here on Sunday morning. Watch this. I know it's gross, but have you seen a baby my mama bird feeding the babies? It's pretty nasty. Mama birds chew it up and give it to you in your mouth. And a lot of us, that's how we get the word. And did you hear? Did, did, did you hear? Oh, oh, we eat. Come on, I don't want that. If nothing else, what's being said here should provoke you to go home, take your notes, and go home and learn and eat for yourself. Learn how to feed yourself. It's not the pastor's job to feed you. 37 years old. You don't know how to feed yourself yet? And so when we neglect the word, we neglect ourselves. And finally, finally, last point, meditating on God's word is making his word a part of who we are. Meditating on God's word is making his word a part of who we are. That word meditate actually means to mutter. That means I'm taking the word with me all day long. The Bible tells us in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it both day and night, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so as I'm meditating on his word, I'm saying, Jesus, I know you're walking with me based upon your word. Jesus, based on this situation right now, I know I could go this way, but I think your word is telling me to go this way. Help me, Lord, in the midst of this. Jesus is better than Siri. You can have conversations with Jesus all day long. Just don't do it out loud, you know, in the middle of your office. That sounds weird. And he wants you to have these conversations. He wants you to spend time in his word so that you can have a deeper knowledge of who he is. And as believers, that's our legacy. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about us becoming like him. The people on your job that need you to become like him. The people in your school that need you to become. Listen, forget that. The people in your house that need you to become like him. I don't know what's wrong with these kids. We failed them. We don't wake up with a praise in our heart. And we wonder why when they're 18 years old, they don't want to come to church no more. Because they've seen the hypocrisy at home. You live one way in front of them church folk. I, Mama, why are you straighten up when the pastor start talking? And at home, you cuss us up and down and down the other side. I know it's true. And we all wrestle with it. My last thought. Let's stop focusing on becoming real. That's based upon who we are. But let's focus on becoming authentic based upon who he says we can become. Listen, the worship team is going to sing us one more song. In these moments, this is what I want you to do. I want you to reflect on your relationship with God and what it has meant for you to know him. How has that enriched your life? How's it helped your life in it? And based upon that, 
I want you to start thinking about how can I do better? How can I cultivate a relationship with Christ despite what the people around me are doing? Because nobody's going to stand before God and be like, well, you know, Isaac was, or Brianna was, or Carl was, or Tiffany was. No, 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 no. You're going to stand before God, and he's going to call to account what you did with his son, Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today that he can be known. He can be known. And so find yourself here. Worshiping God for what he wants to do in your life. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.